Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am still in the United States this week, and I am talking to Chris Daly at TEDx Pittsburgh. Chris, welcome to Hacking the Red Circle. Thanks. Glad to be here. I am, uh, you know, we, we've done a lot of interviews, and so I kind of forget, so I apologize. How did you hear about the show? I heard about the show from following your conversation about it on the Facebook group uh, for organizers, and then listening to it in the morning during my morning routine is listening to TED Talks or other thought uh, leadership kind of things. And I put your podcast into that rotation. And so just kind of seeing it grow so quickly yeah, um, right. is how I, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're on the show and part of the conversation. It's um, it is, you know, it was an idea, uh, I don't know, a year ago, a little over a year ago now, um, to do something to contribute to the conversation around best practices and how we can learn mm-hmm. from one another. I love, I love workshops. I love working and talking about TEDx and, and more of the, um, of course, the mission, but it's also the how do we get it all done? And then I, I love hearing um, the stories of people. So why don't we start there? Uh, what was the, if we go back to the beginning, when did you do? get first introduced to TEDx? So um, TEDx in Pittsburgh started out not being called TEDx Pittsburgh. Um, A friend of mine, Casey Worley, started TEDx Grandview Avenue, and I started as a volunteer trying to just get involved and support um, and applying to attend. And it was the first time that seeing you know the TED brand. Many of us know the TED brand, sure. but didn't really have an opportunity to know that it would be in in our city. So that was the first time I saw it in person. And then when it came time to evolve it and rebrand to the city level TEDx Pittsburgh, I was able to take the lead on organizing and have been running with it ever since. And what year was that? That was 2015, I believe. Got it. So you, you have a couple of shows under your belt now. How big is your team? We have seven core members and 12 to 15 total, but uh, it's a small a small core group. We've been doing it, producing TEDx Pittsburgh and TEDx Pittsburgh Women. Um, and uh, we it's, as you know, a labor of love. Yeah, it is. And we really, really do enjoy it. Um, do you spend all year... Uh, working on one show or the other show, or do you t- have a hiatus at all? We have a very small hiatus. And in fact, uh, one thing I learned at TED Fest last year um, and at workshops at TED Women in 2016 was that several organi- organizers experienced something that that we felt, which was the day after 
is that not only do you kind of have that emotional relief and there's a bit of kind of a dip, but there's also a dip in the team and in promoting all the great work. So it's almost like you need to have the separate team. There's a team that works on the events before and during and day of, and there's a team that keeps the conversation going after. And that's what we're trying to do a bit more. That's a clever idea. I like that. Um, I've heard of two teams or even three teams if you're running adventures there's a team that's doing adventures and then a, a lot of the the larger or more well i'll say hub like meaning centralized will run a workshop on the day after and and how anybody has the bandwidth to be able to pull off a, a workshop right after a major event amazes me but <laughs> they said it's simple you just have a different team uh which which makes a lot of sense to me um so so let me see if I get this right. Your road to the red circle, as it were, was as an attendee and then a volunteer and then organizer. Is that right? That's it. I love that. So listen, listener, um, and and Chris, when you're hearing this, when you're working out in the morning, uh, that, that that's <laughs> very, very common and that a lot of times, you know, look to, you know, having that great conversation with your audience because your volunteers are going to come from the audience and ideas for speakers come from there. And, and it may be that you find someone who turns into uh, the executive director, the, the co-producer, you know, a few years down the road, um, you cultivate someone in the team to do that. Um, because, you know, guess what? You don't, you can't do it forever. There is, there is a bit of a burnout that does happen. We all know that. And that's, that's part of it. So mitigating that now that as we're getting ready to go into 10 years of TEDx, um, the strategies for how we manage sustainability and, uh, keeping teams fresh is, you know, it's part of the, part of the conversation. Now, how many, how many TEDx's are within, I don't know, maybe an hour or an easy commute from where you are? There are close to 10. Yeah. Um, and some of them are college level. There's a, a very strong university presence in Pittsburgh. We have a really nice amount of youth um, events in the city of Pittsburgh. So local high schools and we like, we love to invite them and uh, meet with their organizers mm-hmm. and lend them our letters and that kind of stuff. There's also been a couple of other smaller ones. So it seems like there's a bit more. Um, and that Pittsburgh is a, a large region, but a smaller city. So it, it I think uh, it is also sometimes a challenge to make sure that we're spacing out enough, that we're not asking the same people to attend and that we're, you know, it, it's a really fine line. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, that's one thing I want to learn from other organizers is how to share and coexist, but also maintain an identity as a group and keeping this ongoing conversation at the city level going without watering down um, a platform. And Pittsburgh is known for a strong nonprofit base. And this is the conversation that's happening at the nonprofit level in Pittsburgh in general, is that there are so many doing really great things, but at one point do we need to consolidate? And that's a bigger a bigger topic, but it's kind of mirrored in TEDx. And that's a that's a city level conversation. We have a similar thing in Santa Barbara. There's, by some estimates, about thirty five hundred nonprofits, and we're a tiny little town, a beach tourist town. 
And uh, who doesn't want to live in Santa Barbara and, and run a nonprofit? And there's, you know, there's a lot of wealth here as well. So that, that contributes to it. That's a, a part of it for you guys as well. Um, and, and when you're out there fundraising there, you know, you're going up against, um, you know, educational nonprofits and, and healthcare based nonprofits and youth related nonprofits and, and homeless. I mean, there's just, there's a ton of stuff and it's like, no, we want to get ideas out into the world. So it's a, it's a different spin, right? Have you, have you found a way to, to spin that conversation in, in that cluttered world of everybody with their handout for nonprofits? Yes. So being a marketing person as my background, I understand that most cases, community relations sponsorship are marketing dollars. So I think the way that we can position that is, this is not necessarily specialized in any one genre, but the good thing is it's a way to tie to many topics. So there, you know, it's quite possible we may have eight founders of eight amazing nonprofits on stage, and we can. That's a simpler conversation for them to have tied to innovation, tied to a global brand like TED, tied to independently organized events like TEDx Pittsburgh, and spread it out a little bit evenly through this one channel. So uh, making sure we know our demographic information, making sure we know why people are attending, how we keep them engaged before, during, and after, knowing that we have a plan articulated for that helps us have those conversations with, with sponsors that we are a partner, not just a check collector. Yeah, exactly. How many people attend TEDx Pittsburgh? We have between 500 and 1,000. So that's, that's a good size show. Thank you. Yes, and we're trying to continue that that trend and get as many people as possible. TEDx Pittsburgh Women sold out this year, but it was a 300 cap room at the Ace Hotel in Pittsburgh, and we're trying to uh, our TEDx Pittsburgh venue is called the Biome Theater in downtown Pittsburgh, beautiful historic building, and the capacity is 1300. So we are still working to uh, fill that. There are, um, I'm, I'm in the wonderful position of looking at hundreds of pictures each week to find the best picture to attach to, uh, one of the podcast episodes. And I'm particularly drawn to, um, uh, public arts, performing arts, opera houses, old historic theaters. Um, there, there are just some spectacular venues that you all, uh, find in your communities uh, that that showcases the city in a very nice way. So people have, who may not really have uh, you know kind of any point of view on Pittsburgh can see a TEDx Pittsburgh video. And go, wow, look at that! I mean, just get excited. Would you agree with that? I would agree, and I'm glad you brought that up because we see it. One of our motivating factors is to contribute to the image of Pittsburgh and to share. Yeah our story and we kind of see ourselves, I mean, we're just, we want to be ambassadors for the, the thinking that goes on here and the parts of the city that we love and the parts of the city that we, we know need improvement and want to see improvement. But that's part of the story of, of what motivates us. So um, good point there. I, I think that all of us, I don't know all of us, but I think quite a large of it, amount of us there there's one part where we're contributing to a, this global collection of ideas right so that's a big part like will this talk play in uh singapore will it play in shanghai um 
And it's also an opportunity. So, so that's one lens when we're curating, right? But then there's this other opportunity to shine a spotlight on the unique wonderfulness that is our community. And, um, that's, and that gets really challenging year over year, right? Cause you, you, you know, you want to space it out. So w- when you dip into that local well, um, what's your secret for finding places? Cause I know a lot of organizers, like, I just like, I don't know where to look or, you know, they have a hard time with that. What do you have a secret there in Pittsburgh? Our secret is participation and going to different types of events, not just the same large organizations that throw the same galas all the time, which serve an important role at some point, but, um, going to, going to see live music in a small club, going to hear open mics, going to hear spoken words, going to hear moth, things that are, are different being tied to, to youth. And that, that counts for our team too. people from different backgrounds, different disciplines is important because you're tied into, I'm really tied into the music community. So I have a nice, um, kind of pipeline of musicians that we can, that we can, uh, work with. Others are really tied into, um, photography or others doing work in the nonprofit space. So participation is key and not easy to, to, to make a priority when you're trying right. to do your own stuff. Yeah. But that's really how, um, it, it's done in my opinion. Yeah. It's, it's like your radar is always lit, right? You just, Oh God, that'd be perfect. Oh, Oh, I want to, you know, we, I, I remember yeah. we got invited to, uh, an improv event at the zoo where they have an improv troupe and then some amazing animal person and the animal person tells their story or talks about their book or whatever their passion is. And then, and they just get all lit up about it. And then that becomes what the improvers riff on. Right. And it's a fun evening. They usually have two or three of them, but they had this woman who studies the, uh, mountain lions that are in the Santa Monica mountains in Los Angeles, which is between the, the San Fernando Valley and Los Angeles property proper. There are these mountains that go all the way to the ocean, but they're bisected by major freeways. And there are mountain lions who live their whole life in these kind of preserves, if you will. And I was like, she was so cool. And I was like, we've got to get her on the stage. And so I'm you know, Googling her while I'm sitting there and find out, oh, she's already done a couple of TED Talks. Go, oh, because we have a rule <laughs> with us. We don't, if you've already done a TED Talk, we want to save room on the stage for someone who hasn't. Um, but I, I love that. Just go participation. That's a great word. W- what's been the the biggest surprise for you? You know, seven people pulling off an event for a thousand people. That would, I want to hear about that. But what's been the biggest surprise as an organizer? I think uh, one of the things that surprised me the most as an organizer was the things that take attention and having to make quick decisions to say that it's maybe it's not worth our time every year choosing a new venue when we have an awesome one. And maybe we should spend our time on the content and and really taking away from some of the flashy things that we may want to do. We made an app one year, which was awesome, and 72% of attendees downloaded, and that was a great story. But um, we also, the most important thing is the content. And I yeah. think getting better at coaching the speakers, curating the speakers, and the more effort, when we find ourselves putting time into that 
and reading their outlines and scripts and going back and forth with them, FaceTiming, doing our sessions. Yeah. That is how I know work more than knowing what, what lapels we're passing out. Um, so I think it's helping people find their passion. And I don't, I think the other thing that surprised me was that I don't want to do me personally. I don't want to do the stuff that I do during the day for oh. TEDx. Oh. Um, the marketing, we have great, a great marketing team and I of course have opinions on it and ideas, but I, I don't want to do, do that. I really like focusing on the content and the experience. And I think that I've noticed that with others as well. Um, so that, that was a surprising thing personally. You, you know, I, I've not heard that, that, that it seems counterintuitive if you're like a marketing guy. I mean, you're, you're a marketing professional and you're a marketing professor yet when you do TEDx one would think oh you're going to do the marketing but no I do that all day long for however many hours a day you do that so you do something else I, I like that listener pay attention to that so if you've got a particular skill go do the fun thing because TEDx is is about fun it's not it, there's a lot of work but if it wasn't fun we wouldn't do it if we weren't inspired we wouldn't do it right we just we right. love all of that by the way are you going to TED Fest this year I am. You want to hang out? I do. Um, we're going to have a little dinner on Thursday night. So uh, please join oh, cool. us. So that'll be um, uh, the mail is going out on that. So we have uh, our second annual hackers dinner. Uh, so you get to meet a bunch oh, of other cool. organizers. Be super great. What's the, what's the, con what continues to be a challenge for you as you're, you're building out this, event you know and building the like you know i think about it as building a brand i look at tedx pittsburgh as a brand right so yes. what's what's yes. the challenge in building that brand the challenge is keeping it fresh number mm. one and not not have i mean i always like to talk about it when we're sequencing is uh, making a play a playlist making a mixtape mm. and um, having those ups and downs. And there's something to be said for grouping content, but I think there's also a lot to be said for um, the natural sequence of giving someone some salt with their sugar and breaking things up into interviews and long talks versus um, light subject matter and um, deep subject matter, kind of, kind of the BuzzFeed model, if you will. Um, and I think it's also a challenge. We, the pressure to represent everyone and every great idea happening in one event is not possible. So I think one right. thing we've been able to do is think about this is just this year. This is just this this event. We we are an ongoing brand, as you mentioned. So we're adding to our chapter. We're adding to the TEDx chapter, and we're adding to the TEDx Pittsburgh Library. And we have more to add an ongoing basis. This is not our only shot. This is not an award show. Um, right. So I think that's been helping right. take off the pressure. Um, but that's just something that I personally feel. So you, uh, another question I hadn't, hadn't considered until just now. It's one of the things I enjoy is working with the speaker crew, the curators, once they have a, it's, this usually happens about three weeks before they have a good sense of um, who's going to bring it. Right. Everybody brings it in some sense, but some are just like, Oh my gosh, this one is going to be off the hook. And they're thinking about crafting the narrative arc throughout the day. And how do we start? How do we, how do we, it, you said it perfectly. Mixtape was what got me was, um, 
what's your do, do you get involved at that level in in planning how things are going to go or do you have a team that does that other someone else i i do get involved at that level i really that's one of the things i like to do yeah. and i work okay. closely with uh, our smaller creation team and speaker team uh to make sure that we're thinking about that and that's when i'm talking to a speaker at one of our sessions or reading their work um that's kind of always in the back of my mind is mm, how does this mm. play where should it go um, what we need that momentum. I really want to leave someone before a break with something that people will be talking about or something yeah, yeah, to keep yeah, their energy yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. 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 The primacy of recency. There's a lot, there's a lot to consider. And this is a totally. fun puzzle. To... Right. So you're, uh, you, I... when, you know, we, um, we teach storytelling, we have big workshops on that. And one of the things, uh, we look at is Pixar and how they, do a story and we like the um the short called Piper which was a little sandpiper a little bird and it's okay. it's a perfect uh way you can deconstruct that video and teach all the lessons that you need to learn but i also know that they have uh color maps and emotion maps and musical maps like rooms. So you've got storyboards in a room, but there's also an emotional room and a color room and a music room. So they're, they're looking at how they are, are playing with all of that. And Chris Anderson says that, um, cause we asked him that question at a Google hangout and he said he, he kind of, he tends to push the heavier pieces of the more, the ones where you really have to think a lot more towards the, uh, late middle of the day. And to not hit people over the head with that, you know, even though like you're like this speaker is perfect, they should open the show. It's like that just might be too much emotionally or too much intellectually. Do you have a, a take on that? Yeah, I think there's a balance to be struck between you want in my mind, I want them to have enough energy to digest that. Yeah. But I also don't you can't start off. That would be like having a giant logo on the screen. It just takes it's just heavy. Mm -hmm. um, so. You know, what I like to do some, sometimes with that is do a performance before or after or video before or after to kind of let people digest what they just had um, taken in via heavy research-based topic perhaps. Um, and I think that a lot of times we go in a playlist, you kind of crescendo. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's been an effective thing to try sometimes, thinking of it like... And that doesn't mean that it's longer. And some I used to think that the longer talks, and we're doing a lot more varied time length. And for TEDx women, they were almost all ten minutes or less. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're doing a lot of shorter talks, and we're really trying to vary the the length. And even if it's, I think one of the the TED talks uh, on immune immunotherapy for the cure for cancer that was ten minutes. So that's kind of something I use with speakers to say, you can do this in ten minutes or yeah, less. Yeah. 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 We we heard uh, at one of the hangouts. I, I by the way, I I love uh, this shout out to other organizers. Pay attention to the organizer hangouts that happen that come out of New York. Uh, there's typically one or two a month. Uh, they're really quite good. There's only ever maybe twenty people on them, so it's like this is total great untapped resource. But I remember them talking about the editorial review. Uh, they get a 120-ish talks a day that they have to review and how someone, and this line has always stuck with me, he said, 
They could have done that talk in six minutes. That idea didn't need 18 minutes. It only needed six minutes. And it's like, ah, so to your, to your point, exactly. And Chris just recently said that, um, uh, the 12 minute talk is the new 18 minute talk. It's like the 12 minute (laughs) is, is really about Mm the, would you agree? Totally, totally agree with that. Um, and you're right. Those, those Google hangouts from New York from headquarters are very useful and it's, Kind of an unprecedented, unprecedented amount of access. Just the way they give away right. the brand, like they like yep. to tell us, they also are very transparent about their process. Yep. Um, but yeah, twelve minutes, the new eighteen. And w- one thing we did, we added how much on our call for ideas application. We asked potential speakers and nominators, how much time do you think this idea takes? And oh. I, I we purposely put thirty plus minutes just to see who would put. Really, so we're doing two things there. One, we're letting we're setting the expectation that there is a time component to this, yep. and that that will be predetermined. And two, we kind of know going in if we're going to be inviting them, we need to give them we need to have a really serious conversation up front. Like, hey, you you may put twenty five minutes, but we think this is seven. Um, this is what we have room for. So take you know that kind of thing. So um, just an interesting note there. Be wondering what other organizers think of that. I I uh, that'll be something we'll talk about at Tent Fest. Um, because that's a, it's very, very interesting. The whole idea, let, let me ask you a different question related to speakers. Do you, are you invite only or do you do call for submissions? We are both, I would say 80% are invites and 20% are call for admissions. Okay. Um, we think that it's, we want to have an outlet for people that want to send, want to apply, yeah. want to yeah. nominate. Yeah. And just get, and then because we can't be everywhere, we can't participate everywhere. But right, right, most right. do come from invite. Yeah, there's a an interesting um, conversation going on right now on the Facebook group. Um, if you're an organizer and you're not on the TEDx organizer Facebook group, go find it, join it. It's um, very robust. It's a very responsive group. But they're just talking about outlandish uh, pitches. Uh, that you've heard, uh, you know, where people said, I yeah. need to, I need to be, it says on my life plan that I have to do a Ted talk. So I'm going to do it yeah. at your Ted. Um, we had a, yeah. the, the thing I contributed and it's the joke around our shop is the woman who's very earnest, very, very earnest. And she had discovered how to pet a cat correctly. And she was going to share mm-hmm. that in a video but only if we selected her. And I was like, no, you have to tell us how to pet a cat. And she's like, no, no. it is just, you know, it's like, you know, if I do that, I'm, everybody's going to kill me. I can't. Do that. <laughs> That's going too far. It's so, hard to tell people. No, I'm, I'm kind of a people pleaser by nature. And mm, that is a really hard thing oh, to I do. Yeah. You know. Here's a tip for you. Cause I have mm-hmm. the same exact problem. Um, always have a curation committee so that there is a committee of people and just say, Hey, you know, and then there's a ton of letters uh, that you can find on the hub that are good examples. But when it's a committee, it's because your friends are going to, you know, we have that all the time. Friends will say, Hey, I love it, but it just, it didn't make it through committee. And then the other thing that we do is um, that we started last year was uh, a live audition. So of the people that make it through the committee, cool. then there's a five minute, like an open mic kind of deal. 
And then we can see like their, cause there's something about that two minute video that they make to submit. Um, and mm-hmm. then five minute live, like, can they handle the lights and all of that? Right? I love that idea. I've seen that not too often, but I, I think that's a really cool thing to try. I'd like to do that in the future. Cause then you confab and then it's like, Hey, and then by the way, they see it's not just you, you know, you're there with a team and we're very egalitarian and, and that's it. Best idea wins. You know, it's not friendship. It's not right. about the person. It's about the idea. So you said that you don't want to use your superpower of marketing. Um, so if it's organizing, collaborating, producing, I'm taking out marketing, curating and partnering, which one of those would you say is the thing you like to do the most? I think the, the curating and it's not marketing, but it is storytelling. And I think that that's kind of my way of joining our speaker team, which um, includes Sarah Coffey, a co-organizer and longtime. Uh, she started with TEDx Grandview Avenue. So she's been she's been the longest going member of our team. Uh, Bridget Daly, my wife, uh, we get to partner on this, which is really cool. And then Jennifer O'Brien. So our speaker team and Michelle King, also one of our nonprofit board members. So working with this team to... Um, curate the speakers and organize them and help them tell their stories that that's my personal favorite part and i would do that every time and it's the reason that you know when the baby is asleep and i know there's an early deadline that that's i'm going to be looking at tedx outlines and sending people talks and that you know that's why i would do that so you dropped something in that Uh, very quickly that we're now going to dive into, which is that your wife works with you on TEDx. And what does she do? Um, She is on the speaker committee and she's also helped us form. She's an attorney. So she helped us form our 501c3 nonprofit ideas PGH that helps run this, which was a really big help for many reasons, as I know organizers can relate to. Um, But so uh, I think that's another thing. I don't want to speak for her, but I think being outside of that that realm and being in the storytelling realm and helping to amplify people that are doing good work yeah. is, is gratifying. So in anticipation of going to TED Fest, they put out a, a letter. Um, they, they love making little videos to show. Uh, they're, yeah. that's a fun thing that the organizers do. Uh, we're, we're all quite collaborative in that regard. And yeah. the theme was, we know how much time you spend as an organizer away from the family. So go put a camera in front of your significant other or your spouse or whoever that other person is in your life. And here are some questions to ask them about, you know, um, just all of the various things as the outside person who's watching you go away seven nights a week um, and just <laughs> working so hard. And so I wrote David and I said, well, the funny thing is, is Kimberly and I have been doing this since 2009 and I couldn't imagine doing it without her. And we're of a mind around creative couples who can do amazing things. And as long as we, you know, we each stay in our lane, she's everything inside the circle. I'm everything outside the circle. Uh, and we're, we're, you know, it works really well. So we did a video. Uh, I said, but we want to play. So we'll answer the same questions, but we'll do it from a couple's point of view. So I'm, I'm always looking for other couples. And I think 
there's a handful of us. Um, by the way, yeah. listener, if you and your spouse or significant other or whoever it is that's important to you in your life work, uh, dr- dr- drop me a note, mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. I'd love to talk to you about that specifically. So I want to I want to move on to the kind of the the best practice when you think about advice um, that you would give. And I know that you have experience on doing um, uh, TEDx Pittsburgh women. What advice would you give to organizers who are doing those women centric events? I think the advice to organizers doing women centric events is to um, involve number one, a lot of women in the planning and to, if you're a man um, or someone who identifies as uh, not a woman, I think this is really an area to be supportive and to, to bring to kind of just like, what can I do? But not, you know, in the main event, you may have a, a different role, but I think it's really um, helping to, to provide whatever is needed and not, and to do a lot of listening, I think is really good. And also to, to, it's okay to say that I too am about this work and um, this is everyone's story and be really excited about it. Um, We we did a lot. I I was very proud and highly um, moved by our TEDx Pittsburgh women lineup and the work that the speakers brought to the table um, and from the perspective, uh, the historical perspective of gender equity as well as intersectionality. And um, we had a talk about moms and coding and uh, also things that maybe weren't always gender related, but were still great ideas. So um, I think it's, it's about, it's know that it's an extra important responsibility, I, I think, in my opinion, mm. especially perhaps in, in these days. So, so keep that in mind. I felt, I think we all wanted to, and it was a quick turnaround in our case from getting the license to when the dates you could do those during TED Women. And so that was kind of a stressor for our organization. Sure, sure, sure. Like, okay, we, this is really important. We want, we know that there's a, a demand, there's, there's um, a conversation that we need to support and contribute to, but there's not a lot of time. But so that's my advice there. I um I keep wanting to do that in salons and youth and all of those and and my partner says hold it hold it buddy <laughs> hold it buddy that's a that's a lot of work and you've got two jobs and all of that what what are you when is your next event do you I mean do you have your event at the same time each year it's got t- approximate time of year pretty close June sixteenth Saturday hey we'd love to have you um I'm bringing a cool thing to Ted Fest oh well, what's that a cool giveaway cause last year. So here's my giveaway this year. Ready? Yeah. A ticket to the event. Ha! Huh. Nice job. Yeah. Nice. So hopefully someone will take me up on it. But if everyone takes me up on it, I may get in trouble. But I think it'll work out. Um. <laughs> then you could have a workshop and you have all these amazing things because I love, I love going to the workshops. What, what are you most looking forward to? Is there some, some innovation you want to try or some particular speaker you're angling for or some something that's like, oh, we haven't done this. I don't know. Uh, for our, our event, I think um, what we're looking forward to is we're expanding 
a bit more into performance. And we have a really cool idea. We're kind of known for our intro videos and doing very powerful creative. I'd love to send you a couple of examples. And they they were actually, they might have shown one in TED Fest last year. But we have a great idea for the intro um, this year, which is to have um, an award-winning poet from Pittsburgh do a poem about our theme and have the footage line up live. Um, And we have this cool reveal that I don't want to spoil for anyone who will be attending. Yeah, don't don't do that. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Um, so back up to the videos because I, I, um, I'm particularly fond of the three to five minute videos that get shown as interstitials. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I find some collections of them that maybe they were shown at global. They were shown at summit. They were shown other people, someone else way smarter than me curates them and finds some spectacular pieces um and then we show those coming in from the break to help people settle down do you have a um do you have some favorites in that area that you've done in past shows that you want to share yeah um there were many very good interstitial videos at uh ted women 2016 i think that's fresh in my mind because i was fortunate enough to attend that in person um but I think there was one about a a, a, young, a group of young girls who were learning boxing. I remember that one oh, stick, wow. sticking out. Um, and that I absolutely agree with you. That's really great for the audience. It brings them in the creative mindset. It kind of brings you back down. It gives you energy. It teaches you something quickly. And it just reorients you to paying attention and, and being open-minded to something. And I really like to – we only produce the opening video, but I right. really love more – folks here to kind of curate a bit more digital video. And that's something we're trying to build out. Um, but listen a to more the, um, go take a look at TEDx Sydney. They do a, there's a film festival inside of TEDx Sydney. So there are, there's a oh. whole crew that listen to the, I did a, I've done a couple of shows and I'm posting one next week with Fenella, who is the uh, curator. Um, and, they have these films that there's a whole crew that works in conjunction with TEDx Sydney that is getting these films made and then they debut them uh, in between and they're, they are spectacular. You know, it's just like, Oh man, I, it's just one of those, there are so many good ideas out there. You know, you could spend your whole life doing those, but uh, I'm on the hunt. So um, listener, if you have pointers to great videos, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Drop me a note. You know how to find me. And great. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no. If anyone does send you that, I would love to hear how, what kind of the criteria, what the process is. We were trying to put together our video guidelines. Mm. Um, So, interested on what the group has to say about that. I, I would love to hear that. I, I know, uh, for instance, with us, it's um, no um, no vocal track. So it's typically, uh-huh. yeah, no vocal track. So that so that what that does, it allows us to, they're from all over the world and it's more just visual. So because there's enough talking <laughs> during the day. Yeah. So having something that just is a, a treat for your eyes and your ears uh, seems to be cool. what I gravitate. And I'm the executive producer, so I get to 
I get to do that part. That's yeah. the fun little thing I get to do. So um, as we, we get, and I appreciate the time that you've given us uh, today. If um, my, one of my favorite questions is if I can take the red carpet and turn it into a magic carpet and you and I could fly to any TEDx and we'll bring your wife, we'll bring our wives. So the four of us can go to any TEDx in the world. Where can are I we bring going? my baby? Oh, please bring your baby. <laughs> Great. Um, I do want to go to TEDx Sydney. Um, I got to meet uh, one of their team members, Vicky Forbes, at uh, last year. Vicky's awesome. So I hey, think, Vicky, shout out! I know you listen to the show. Shout out! So uh, I and hearing what you just said, just have having live streamed them a bit, it seems it's also a different, entirely different kind of set of things going on yep. that. Yep. I'm not really exposed to up in the East Coast. So I think that there's a, lo a lot of things that could learn from, from not only how they do things, but what their speakers are talking about. Mm. Um, there are a ton of answers to that question, but that's, I know you only asked for one. That's a great question, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's one of, uh, I've had some interesting answers. One was uh, to, to any TEDx that's in a mine, um, any wow. TEDx underwater, um, I think Kat was the one she wanted to do a TEDx on the space station. Um, so, you know, it's, Hey, uh, it's an, op there's no, uh, I love this show. There are no wrong answers. We're just trying to learn from one another. <laughs> so I'll finish it up with the signature question was, which is your best hack? That thing that you do that doesn't cost any money at all, but materially affects the experience in one way or the other. It could be something behind the scenes that you do for speakers or some way that you work with sponsors, or it's a way you run the team, or it's, it could be in any aspect of it, but it's got to be free and something that really makes a difference. That is a good question. One best hack. Um, I think personal attention is the, is the best thing. It's not free time-wise, but it is free money-wise. There's not a book you can buy for a speaker. There's not a dinner you can buy them. There's not um, an app you can develop for an attendee that's going to make them feel any better than listening to them and asking them questions. So um, hope that doesn't sound like a bit of a cop out, but I, I do think no, no, that that's, no, that, that's personal a... attention to the speaker and attendees alike and sponsors and thinking through treating them all uh, with respect and openness. I, I, there's a really good thing to remember. You're right. It doesn't cost you anything. It's just some intention to attention. And that, um, I, I love that part about it. People, when they get selected, like one of the, one of our very, very favorite things to do is tell someone they've been selected to TEDx Santa Barbara. <laughs> And uh, we got to do that last week with a guy we saw in person uh, at another event. We knew he was going to be there. So we went out of our way to give him that news. Um, mm -hmm. And that's like, that's just a, that's a huge deal uh, to be able to get that acceptance. It's, it means so much in it. And we also tell him that be careful what you ask for, because uh, it's a grueling process, right? To, to go through everything yes. you need to go through. Um, and I think the other thing is, as we've heard from, attendees, they'll say uh, in the survey that it's the one day of the year that they think is the best day all year long. <laughs> and if, if someone is putting that much weight and import on it, then 
giving them attention and stopping and enjoying their excitement and giving them, you know, have you have your, as an organizer, having your act together enough and the team together enough that you're not running around crazy on the day of, you're just enjoying it, but you're helping them enjoy it. And you're creating this safe space for everything to happen in this wonderful harmony, right? I, I often say that when we all do our job right, everything conspires so that when that idea leaves the stage, it goes out there in the universe and is going to change lives. And that's why we do what we do. I love that. I think that's a great, a great point. You know, people, you want people to place value on it. So when they do, you should deliver. Absolutely. Uh, I, I love that. I, Chris, I love this conversation. I look forward to meeting you in person. And uh, what's your baby's name? Her name is Octavia. She's been on two TEDx stages. I love that. Start them young, everybody. I think you have a yeah. good start. So again, thank you very much for joining us on Hacking the Red Circle. I hope to talk to you in real life soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.